welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Jared Neiman, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. All right, we are continuing this series tonight called Not Just Good, Great. How many of you want to have a great life? Come on, somebody. How many of you want to have a great life? We serve a great God. Our Savior Jesus is literally called the greatest among us. Amen. 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 And that greatness now resides on the inside of us. And he said in the Bible, whoever desires to be great, let him be your servant. But, you know, a lot of not so wonderful teaching in the Bible has acted like as Christians, we shouldn't expect to live a great life. We call it humility. Oh, I'm just, oh, just. It's not what humility means, man. Humility means to live a life of deep reverence to God that your life may worship God. Not this, whatever this is. I don't know what that is, but that's not humility. Amen. Jesus said, whoever desires to be great. Okay, so that tells me it's okay for me to desire to have a great life so that my life can glorify the greatness of the God I serve. But make no mistake, church. God wants you to live great. He wants you to have a great marriage, a great business, a great attitude on your job. He wants you to have great success in your relationships. He wants you to raise great children. He wants you to have great joy, great peace, great happiness, great favor. Amen. So why... If Jesus is great and lives on the inside of us and says it's okay to desire to be great and he is the God who wants to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever ask or dream. So whatever your dream is, church, it ain't big enough for your God. Can I just tell you something? Your dreams should be so big that you have no choice but to rely on the Holy Spirit for them to come true. Your dreams should scare you a little bit. How am I gonna do that? You're not, the Holy Spirit's gonna do it through you for the glory of your heavenly Father. Just get that dream and start chasing it, man. Jesus didn't put you here to live mediocre. For you to live kind of good. The title of this series is Not Just Good, Great. The premise of it, I'm just going to review for a minute because, you know, we skipped last week. How many of you enjoyed Dave Martin? He was great, right? Uh, but just kind of get our minds back into this, the flow of this series. You know, the premise of this series came 
from a statement that was made by Brian Houston in a leadership thing I was in. He said, you know, sometimes the difference between really good and great is just about 5%. You know, I told you that kind of like convicted me. And it's like, wow, man, it's so true, right? And it, it can really like get in your mind when you start thinking, man, 5% more effort, 5% more generosity, 5% more helping out around the house, 5% just a little bit more being nice. You know, 5% just correcting your bad attitude. Come on. 5% more just saying I'm sorry. Like instead of fighting and being defensive, you just go, you know what, babe? I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. You're going to say it eventually anyway. Why do you say it without the three days of fighting? Amen, Jared. None of you said amen, so I'm amening myself. You know, for real, whole lots of marriages could get a lot better tonight if the two people would just go home and determine one profound thing, and that is go home and be nice. That's deep. It's deep. Amen. 5% more focus, 5% getting to work and working hard. Instead of sitting on Instagram for 30 minutes before you start doing anything, and then you start doing something, you give Instagram another 25 minutes. And then you wonder why you're not getting promoted. And then you're coming in church, mad at God? Why don't you be mad at your social media account? Don't be mad at God. So the first week, got really quiet, huh? (laughs) Be funny again, Jared. The first week I talked to you about the five questions that you need to ask yourself. We're gonna put them up on the screen. I'll just go through them real quick. Five questions. Have you settled or become indifferent? Have you settled? It's so easy to settle, isn't it? Just leave those up there, guys. Feel free to get your phones out, take pictures, do whatever you want. I put this stuff on the screen so you can capture it, you know? But I mean, it's so easy to settle. A little bit of disappointment, a couple frustrations, a couple failures. You get stabbed in the back one too many times, a little bit too much gossip, a little too much negativity, and you settle. And instead of pursuing greatness, you settle and you start saying, well, this is good enough. Amen. Amen. Can I remind you, though, that there is nothing in the Bible that tells you to live just good enough? Jesus died on the cross for you to live as the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, for you to walk in victory, my family, not to walk defeated, not to walk disappointment, not to live depressed and broken. God is the God who came to break that bondage off of your life. You are to live in peace, in joy, and in happiness. Yes, they may have hurt you. Yes, they may have disappointed you, but God is the God who restores hope, who restores faith, who brings victory into your life. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off and start going after your dreams again. Why have you settled? Why have you stopped? Get 
your hope again. Get your energy again. Get your focus again. There is never a time for a spirit-filled, born-again child of God to say, well, this is good enough. The God of heaven is on your side. The King of Kings lives on the inside of you. Went to hell for you, church. You don't need to settle. You need to go forward. Amen. Amen. Well, stop it. Get your hope back. Get your fire back. Stop letting the, letting the devil rob you of your life. Amen. Amen. Have you relented on your effort? Remember when you used to try? Come on, tell the truth. Remember when you used to try in your relationship? Now it's like... Come on. I gotta, I gotta keep going. Have you backed off your vision? That's what we talked about two weeks ago. You gotta have a vision, right? Where there is no vision, the people perish, right? Write the vision down, make it plain so they that see it can run with it. You were born to run, church. You were put on this earth to run. To run to what? Towards the vision. You gotta have a vision. Do you have a vision? I have a vision for every area of my life. I've got a vision as the pastor of this church. I have a vision, I have two visions as the pastor, an on the stage vision and off the stage vision. I have a vision as a husband, as a father. I have a vision for my physical health. See, what vision does is it brings boundaries to your life. It brings focus to your life. It brings direction. Vision launches out into the future and tells you where to go. And anything that doesn't fit within the vision automatically gets said no to. That's why I said it brings boundaries. Amen. So you have a vision to save $2,000 in the course of 2018. That's 40 bucks a week, right? So you go and you have the option of going out to lunch with the coworkers or eating the food you prepared. See, the answer gets really easy because you have a vision. You already prepared this food, you already paid for this food, and I'm not gonna go pay three times the amount and then throw this food away, so now that's four times the amount. See, you got a vision, so automatically say, you know what, guys, no. I'm going to stay home, I made my food. I'm going to stay here, I'm gonna, I made my food, that's cool, we'll catch up later. See, you have a vision. Amen. Vision gets you down on your knees in front of your husband, asking him to forgive you for what you did. See, vision, <laughs> I picked on the women for once. Yeah, you caught you off guard, huh? Yeah, y'all ain't perfect. Y'all mess up too. Some of you ladies get a little crazy. Don't act like you're Snow White. <laughs> totally caught the whole church off guard, didn't it? The men didn't even say amen. They were so scared. They're like, hey, amen, Pastor. Hey, amen, Jared. Have you accepted personal responsibility for your life? Oh my God. I mean, this is like the plague of society, right? Everything's everybody else's fault. No, it's not. 
You know whose fault it was? Probably yours. Knock it off. Stop making bad decisions. Stop hanging out with dopes. You're the one that chose to date the dude. Like, well, he hurt me. Well, you dated him. Have you drawn away from God? Listen, at the end of the day, we're having a little bit of fun, but at the end of the day, your greatness lies in you, in your relationship and your connection to Jesus Christ. Okay? All of this stuff fits under number five. Amen. You draw near to God, he draws near to you. You draw near in your ordinary, he draws near back to you in his extraordinary. You draw near to him in your natural, he responds in his supernatural. You draw near in your hate, he responds with his love. You draw near in your bitterness, he draws near to you in his forgiveness. You draw near in his brokenness, in your brokenness, he draws near to you in restoration. You draw near in your good, he responds with his great. My family, your greatness, your dreams coming true, your passions, your fire, your hope, your faith. It all lies in your connection to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight, tonight and next week, the title is Your Values, Your Future. Your Values, Your Future. What are your values? You got to have a vision. Your vision goes out into your future. Then I told you, you have to have a mission within the vision, right? Abundant Living Faith Center, the vision is teach, uh, teach my children how to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give them. And then the mission are the, the steps, the goals that allow you to achieve the, the vision, right? They're the progressive, the active decisions and goals that are constantly moving to get you to your vision. Here, our mission is to help you to know Jesus so that you can live free, you can discover your purpose, and you can make a difference. And if you're doing those four things, then you will live and enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. But your values, your values, who you really are. You know, the, a value is that thing that you just know that you know that you know. Right? Your convictions, your beliefs. The combination of your heart and your mind, it's your value. What are your values? Because let me tell you something. What you value today will be the consequences that you deal with in your future. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of your life. Well, your values are what is laid up in your heart. And out of your heart flows the issues of your life. Amen? So if you value being nice in your relationships, guess what type of relationships you're going to have? Nice ones. Amen? So what are your values? Can you identify your values? Do you know your values? Here, I'll give you mine. I wrote mine down. You're, feel free to copy mine. My first value is I value the word. Nope, those are the churches, not the guys. I'm talking about mine. There we go. I'll, I'll tell you when. Sorry. My values, Jared's values. The, I value the word as the first and final authority of my life. Amen. I value the word, which means I value Jesus. Jesus is the word. Amen? You can't separate the two. 
So I value Jesus, his word, as the first and final authority of my life. Amen? I value his church. I value his church. I do. I value church. Why wouldn't I? God values it. Jesus builds it. God says this is the one place where his eyes are and his heart is always. So if I want God's results, why would I not value where he pays attention to? If his eyes are on it and his heart is in it always, that means God values it. So if he values it, I better value it. Amen. I value my family. Carla, my kids, I value my family. I value my dad, my sister. I value my family. I value my giving. I do. I, I value my giving. Every two weeks, Carla and I, we give our tithe and offering. We get paid on the same pay scale. I mean, not scale, pay schedule. Uh, we both are bi-weekly. That's the first thing that gets paid. I, give, I value my giving. I do it on my online bill pay. It's beautiful. It happens automatically. And it goes, pew. And then what's funny is that then it comes to the office and then it usually ends up on my desk and it's my giving on my desk from the bank. It's weird, but <laughs> I value it. Why? Because I value what it does for me personally because the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger. But I value building the kingdom of God. I take it serious. I, I, I value it. I value being a part of getting people born again. I value advancing the kingdom of God. So it's one of my values. I value integrity and faithfulness. These are non-optionals in my life. These are just my values. What are your values? Let me show you the church's values. You can put those up now. These are the church's values. Our church, we love God, we love people. We love God, we love people. We live by faith. We are abundant living faith center. Amen? The just shall live by faith. We value being a blessing. Genesis 12, verse 2, we're blessed to be a blessing. At our church, we pursue excellence. Now, this value was something that was drilled into us by my mother. If you all were here back in the day, you remember my mom used to teach on excellence all the time. What is excellence? Is excellence perfection? Absolutely not. Excellence is doing the best you can with what you have. Amen? I can't do the best I can with what you have. I can only do the best I can with what I have. We choose joy. Joy is a choice. You always have a choice of being happy or not. There's enough in the world to make you unhappy all day long. You have to choose to be happy. Choose joy. That's why we have fun at church. Someone told me like, Jared, you like laugh and stuff while you're on, on preaching? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm just not gonna take myself too seriously. Like I like to have fun. We wanna have fun here. We wanna be happy. You know, we, we tell the greeters and the ushers and the guest services, we just want you to be nice to people and smile and welcome. We figure you've got enough crazy in the world. Like you come to church, we're just gonna be happy. We're gonna have fun. It's a good time. We're gonna choose joy. Amen? Amen. And we believe in extreme generosity. And I'll explain that more to you as the year goes on. But I will tell you that this is something that I added this onto this list this year. And I was convicted last year that we're not doing enough in our community as a church, so we are gonna do more. And in 2018, we will do more missions and more local outreach than our church has ever done, ever. And so that's fantastic, amen? Amen. 
The values that you have today will determine your future. Mark chapter 14, if you have it in your Bible, I'm going to read it to you out of the Message Bible, so I asked him to put it on the screen. It's Mark chapter 14, um, verse 3 through 9. You can just follow along if you want. It says, Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper. While he was eating dinner, a woman came up carrying a bottle of very expensive perfume. Opening the bottle, she poured it on his head. Some of the guests became furious amongst themselves, shouting, that's criminal, a sheer waste. This perfume could have been sold for well over a year's wages and handed out to the poor. How many of you know these people actually didn't care about the poor at all? You know that, right? Yeah. Where was I? They swelled up in anger, nearly bursting with indignation over her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you giving her a hard time? She has just something, done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day of your lives. Whenever you feel like it, you can do something for them, not so with me. She did what she could when she could. She pre-anointed my body for burial. And you can be sure that whenever, wherever in the whole world the message is preached, what she just did will be talked about admiringly. Isn't that an amazing story? You know, this story is all about values. We learn in the other uh, books that this woman's name was Mary. We learn that the critic was Judas Iscariot. Y'all know who Judas was, right? So this is a story about values. First, we see Jesus' value. We see that Jesus valued people. He was in a leper's house. If you know anything about the olden days back then, nobody would be in a leper's house. Now, presumably, Jesus healed the leper. Amen? And he valued people. If you want to know what Jesus' values were, his values were the Father, Amen? Right? What, what did he say? I must be about my father's business. He valued the father. He valued people. We go out and seek and save the lost. He valued the poor and he valued the church. He commanded us to feed the naked, feed the hungry, feed the... God, I messed that up a lot, man. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked. <sighs> Some point in my lifetime, I will get that right. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked. Amen. We see this woman's values and we see the critic's values. In another uh, same story in John 11 verse 3, it says that an aroma filled the house. It talks about once she dumped the oil, that an aroma filled the house. Let me ask you a question. What's the aroma of your life? Just let your creative mind run for a second. What's the aroma of your life? Does it have a generous smell to it, a loving perfume? Or is there a stench? Hmm. You know that the aroma of your life is determined by your values. What you value. Because your values set the course of your behavior your words, your actions, your attitude, your belief, 
where you are, what you will be doing, how you will be acting. Amen? So let me give you a few things on values. You got notes? You got something to write this down? Get your phones out, put it in your notes. A few things on values right out of this story. Number one, we see that Mary valued honoring Jesus above all else. Above her possessions and even above critics. We saw in that story that they said that bottle of perfume could have been sold for over a year's wages. I read one historian that said that in modern day America, they estimate it would have been worth 70 grand. I don't know about you, but if I was walking down the sidewalk and $70,000 sitting there, I'd bend down and pick it up. Am I the only one? I mean, I might look around a little bit like, is this anybody? No? Okay. Finders keepers. I mean, even, in, even if you don't do that, like a year's wages, I mean, just think about what you make. A year's wages. The average income, household income in El Paso now is like 44000 So take that amount. It's a lot of money. Amen. I mean, I've been known to pick up a penny. Like, if you hand me a quarter, I'll keep it. That was expensive. But the possession didn't matter to her. The possession was to honor God. And listen, my family, God doesn't care if you have possessions. It's why you have them. That's what he cares about. He wants to be above your possessions. She also didn't care about the critics. She didn't care. She didn't care. She didn't let the barking, the noise, stop her from honoring Jesus. And she honored him right in front of them. Amen? So let me ask you this. As we're thinking about our values, do your values honor Jesus and are they in line with how Jesus wants you to live? You gotta ask yourself that question. Because the more in line your values are with how Jesus wants you to live, the more you will live in the results he wants to bring into your life. Amen? Second, godly values will set you apart. They will set you apart. Amen? There was a clear difference between Mary and the other people in the house. A clear difference, right? Some of the guests, it says, became furious amongst themselves. They even cried out, that's criminals. Can I tell you something? As children of God, our values should set us apart. The Bible says that we are in the world, but we are not to be of the world. That we are to go into the darkness of the world to bring the light of Jesus Christ. Our values should set us apart. And there should be things of the world that we say no to. And when people challenge our values, we don't allow that challenge to stop us from still maintaining those godly values. Yes, we are in the world, but we are not ruled by the world. 
We are called to go into the world to change the very world that we are not a part of. We should be set apart. You should be different. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to apologize about. You have no business participating in gossip and strife and hatred and lying and bitterness and unforgiveness. Church, that is of the world. And you are not of the world. So many Christians being robbed of the joy and happiness simply because they have accepted the negativity of the world. It's not rocket science. It's just that we have accepted the negativity of the world system. And it's robbed us of our hope and joy. You need to reject that negativity out of your heart and get values that are lined up with the word of God, what Jesus says about your life. Your values should set you apart. Your friends, your co-workers, your other family members should look upon you and see that something's different. They should see your strength when they're weak. They should see your hope when there seems to be no hope. They should see your faith when they're living in fear and torment. They should see the success of your marriages. They should see your business flourishing. How come he got promoted? How did, how did she have so much favor in that meeting? They should look upon your lives, abundant living, and see God's glory manifesting each and every day. And it comes because you get your values in line with him. So let me ask you this question. Is there a gap between the God you serve and the God you represent? Think about it. Is there a gap? Now, we all have a gap, okay, because God's perfect and we're not, okay? But how big's the gap? This is the God I serve. Where is the God you actually represent? The more you close the gap, you catch it? The more you close the gap, then the more you walk in his ways. Yes, Number three, your values will be attacked. Oh my God, will they be attacked? What did they say? That's criminal, a sheer waste. Could have been sold and given to the poor. Let's tell the truth. You're, when you have righteous values, they will be attacked. Jesus said it. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world, right? In the book of John, we see that the very critics were led by Judas. He immediately leaves and goes and betrays Jesus. And it all unfolds from there, right? The arrest, the trial, everything. Now we know that Judas had nothing to do, didn't care about the poor. He, he, all he was worried about was the money. It was all about greed, right? It's interesting. Uh, have you ever noticed that when you're doing stuff for the poor, that the people who criticize you doing stuff for the poor are the very people who don't do anything for the poor? Do you want to know something? In our church, 
The things that get criticized the most are our our outreaches. You cannot believe the negativity that comes around our Christmas giveaways. Of course, that's not anybody that actually comes to the church. I always want to say, like, well, what'd you do? Oh, you didn't like what we did, but what'd you do, homie? Oh, no, you sat behind your fake profile picture typing up crap on the internet. What'd you do? Well, why don't you get down here with us? Come give some food to these poor little babies who are starving. Why don't you come give some toys out? Get out of your internet. Oh, your life's so bad, you're living in your laptop and your wireless internet. Come on, get some perspective, homie. Why don't you come down here to San Eli with us at five in the morning when it's 22 degrees? And you come tell these kids about Jesus. What'd you do? Jeez, man. Can I tell you something? I've lived my whole life being attacked. My family gets lied about. Our church gets lied about. Now, you know what's weird is like, you know, like now I'm being lied. It was always like my dad and mom. And now it's me. Like, oh, 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 no. I guess that makes me like legit now. You know, it's like, oh, they'd they be lying about me now. So I guess that's, I'm legit, you know. But like, can I tell you something, though? When you know what you're doing is right, don't let your critics, your haters, stop you from doing what is right. And when your values, listen, when your values are in line with the word of God, that means that you will be maintaining your integrity. And the Bible says that your integrity will preserve you. The Bible says that your integrity will give you longevity. You know what that means? A lot of times you just outlast your critics. Amen. You just outlast them. You know, we just keep going. All the critics just keep. We just keep doing what we know is right. We're going to preach the gospel, teach you how to enjoy the abundant life. And you can. You know, sometimes I actually think, you know, if they ever stop talking, maybe I should get concerned. Maybe that means we're not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times it's just the devil trying to deter you from doing what's right. Don't let people stop you from doing What's right? Amen? Amen. Number four, your, total, your values must be total. Total. Did you notice she didn't dump part of the bottle? She dumped the whole bottle. I believe that this is a, a, a real thing in our society. There is something to be said about commitment and totality. You know, values are not resolutions. Values are lifestyle changes. Come on, say amen, church. Values aren't 30-day diets. Values are, I am going to live healthy. Values are the dudes who are still in the gym. It's amazing how empty my gym is now. January, I was like, oh, who are all you people? (laughs) This last week is like, oh, got the gym back. (laughs) No, for real, though. Values are total. They are committed. You know, so much to be said in life about being where you said you were going to be, doing what you said you were going to do, doing it when you said you would do it. I mean, you husbands, you want your wife to to stop having trust issues. Well, don't give her any reason to have them. 
Be where you said you were going to be. Do what you said you were going to do. Talk to who you said you were going to talk to. You want to get promoted? Be the guy the boss can count on. Don't have to tell you three times. Don't have to tell you four times. No, but I got, I'll take care of it, man. I'll take care of it, boss. And you go take care of it. I took care of it. What's next? You'll get promoted. You'll get a raise. You might end up running the place. Without commitment, you live unfulfilled potential, broken promises, failed resolutions. You live in mediocrity. But when your values are total and complete, you can go from good to really good, good and really good to great. Amen? Are you catching it? That you got to be total with your values. Amen? Being faithful means that you are faithful all the time. Or else you are not faithful. What was Jesus? The same Amen. Amen. Number five. Are you glad you came? You know, this is one of the most practical series, but it also can just revolutionize your life. Number five. Great values are about God and people. I got to go a little quicker here, okay? Great values are about God and people. What did Jesus say? She has done something significant for me. You'll have the poor with you every day. You know, some people only have a social gospel, And some people only have a selfish gospel. What do I mean by that? Some people believe that the gospel should only be about the poor. Some people only take. The truth is, is the gospel is both. The gospel is for you and for the people around you. You are blessed. You are blessed. Come on. You are blessed also to be a blessing. Amen? So the great values should be about God and about people. Amen? Great values produce greatness. What did it say? What did Jesus say? What she has done for me today was wonderfully significant. You know what that means? It was great. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be significant. I want it to count for something. I want it to mean something. Amen. I don't want to just be another person. Jesus, greatness lives on the inside of me. I want it to count. I want my kids to grow up thinking, man, I had a great dad. I do. I grew up thinking, man, I have a great dad. Why would I not want that? But your values, what do you value? It will either produce greatness or significance or not. If your values are all about glorifying God and honoring God, it will produce significance. Why? She valued honoring Jesus above the critics, above money, above what people thought about her. It didn't matter. She just valued honoring Jesus. And it produced significance for her life. You know what then it did? It produced her legacy. Do you see what Jesus said? She will be talked about 
admiringly for years to come. Mary's values opened her impact to the entire world. 2,000 years later, we're sitting here talking about Mary. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that something? At the end of your age, when you have gone to be with Jesus, don't you want your significance to be talked about admiringly? But your values will determine that. Now next week, I'm gonna show you what God values to produce greatness in your life. So today I'm talking to you about your values. Next week, there are four things in the Bible that God shows as his values for you to choose in your life that if you choose them in your life, he produces greatness in your life. Amen. Stand here. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.